0: Asia Tech Podcast. Podcast. Voice of the Asian tech ecosystem.
1: This is Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. We are talking to some of the newest and the best podcast hosts in Asia. Delighted to be joined by Ling Ling Tai. Ling Ling, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks for inviting me here, Graham.
1: It's great to have you here. The leaders of learning Podcast. We're going to talk about that. Um, You're not just a podcast, but you're also a podcast educator, by trade, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Well, so that's
0: I, more of a side hustle. A oh, side hustle. Yeah, it's a side hustle. And it's because when I started my podcast show, a lot of people came up to me and inquire about, you know, what is podcast? Yeah. You'd be surprised that a lot of people in Singapore and the rest of Southeast Asia, they don't know what podcast is. So when mm. I talk about podcasting, they're like, oh, what is it? What is it?
1: What and do that, they think it is?
0: I have to explain that it's right. an on-demand radio. So you mm. don't listen to radio in the car, but rather you select the Show that you want to listen to the topic that you're interested in, a particular episode, download it on your phone and listen it on your commute. Mm-hmm. So that's where my educator background comes right. in because I have been in education for more than oh, more than 10 years,
1: more than 10 years as yeah. well as a corporate teacher, trainer. A corporate trainer, corporate yeah. trainer.
0: So I've been in the uh, technology space, I've been in the travel space as a mm. corporate trainer. So I have a training and learning and development background. So I mm. thought it's a good mix between me as a corporate trainer and helping to create public awareness of what podcast is Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. so you do a lot I guess in your life as a trainer you Mm -hmm. did a lot of presenting to people and showing people in a way now as a podcast host similarly you're having to communicate with people in the, the public sphere and I guess where I'm going with this is that you're Asian. Mm-hmm. You're from Malaysia. Yeah, so I've learned today, which is great. <laughs> um, you're Malaysian, you're female, obviously. Mm-hmm. There're not a lot of female Asians in this space in podcasting. I know there should be a lot more.
0: I wish there are a lot more.
1: Yeah, what's going on? Why?
0: I don't know. I really don't know. But what I'm trying to do with uh, my podcast show and reaching out to people is to say that, you know it doesn't matter if you're female or you're Asian, mm. but if you have something passionate about. Why not speak up about it?
1: Mm. Do you think it's tough, though? I mean, especially here in Southeast Asia, um, obviously I come from outside of this Mm -hmm. world where we're sort of a lot more used to standing up and even, for example, after school, like when you go to school after summer holidays and you come back, they get all the kids to stand up and say, what did you do in summer holidays? And they all do like a presentation. Mm -hmm. So even at a young age, we're we're constantly presenting. Mm -hmm. So when you stick a microphone in front of us, it's like, Not a lot of, uh, you know, it's not too difficult for us to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here in Asia, I think a lot of people like to sit and watch, wait for somebody else to make the first move, don't they?
0: Well, I I agree. Part of it is the influence of our education system because our education system doesn't encourage the young ones Mm. to stand up and present, at least in my generation anyway. I'm not too sure about the education system now. I was quite fortunate that at a young age, I had a chance to live in Vancouver for a while. So mm. my primary age, I lived in Vancouver for four years.
1: Oh, wow. Good. And I
0: went through the whole thing that you've mentioned about how teachers give you a topic or you choose something and they ask you to prepare and present. So I had, you know, experience in presenting since I was really, really young.
1: How old were you when you were in Canada?
0: I was like from seven till 10 or 11, right, okay. something like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then I returned back to Malaysia. Mm-hmm then
1: <laughs> so you had that in you so I'm mm-hmm. wondering when you actually started your podcast
0: mm-hmm.
1: firstly did you have any sort of fears or doubts about starting it because I think a lot of people maybe people who are listening I think mm-hmm. oh, I want to start a podcast
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that first step is quite hard
0: I think for me I was really clear in my mind why I wanted to start my podcast show because mm. at that point in time I've decided also to become a um, how do you care? how do i say um an entrepreneur so mm. a solopreneur in a sense that i've started my own corporate training outfit in order to become a how to say a learning and development kind of consultant mm. to help organizations figure out how to foster a learning environment to encourage their employees to put learning and development and career development in the forefront so when i was doing my research in the market i realized that A lot of organizations, they still have the traditional mindset of learning, which is the way to do career development is by shoving a lot of people in a room uh, with a facilitator, with a trainer, or with an expert. They'll be in that room for half a day, entire day, or a few few days. Mm. And um, they expect the employees to go back to the workplace and become awesome. But that's not how learning works based on my career. So when I started the Leaders of Learning podcast, it's more to educate Uh, my clients to bring public awareness that learning doesn't have to be in the classroom. Hmm. It can also be in multiple ways, one form is by podcasting, one form is by online education platforms, another way is by uh, feedback with your peers, feedback with your managers, there's all sorts of ways to do it. So when I started my podcast is mostly to create that awareness that learning can be more than just in the classroom. And in turn, I was hoping it could also help me with my my business as a corporate trainer. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's
1: so many things I want to ask you about your yeah, podcast. Sure. And what it's done for you as well. Go back to that learning part as mm-hmm. well. It seems to me like you're talking to a lot of people out there about learning. Right. There's a lot of people who have embedded and very habitual thoughts about learning. It mm-hmm. must be tough, isn't it? When you're going out there and talking about, look, we've got to change. Yeah. There's a better way of doing where, yeah. where do you get the, the motivation, the drive to do that? Because mm-hmm. you're not always facing people. Yeah, I really get this, Ling Ling. I, yeah. I'm on board. Sometimes you're like, mm, I don't know about <laughs> this. Where, where does the the motivation come to you know deal with all that sort of? I'm not saying negativity, but there's doubt, isn't there, about
0: learning? Yeah, there are a lot of doubt, but what I I strongly believe in learning because essentially everyone wants to become better at something, Mm. whatever they're passionate about. And I've been in this public speaking training space since I was like a little girl because even after that, I've been in secondary school, I've been training people on different things. Um, I suppose it's it's just my passion. I just want to see people grow and I Mm. know there are better ways to do it and I want people to to be able to become better themselves no Mm. matter what way it is.
1: So why did you choose a podcast as one way of doing that?
0: I love listening to podcasts. I think there is a great future for podcasting, especially in Asia, because I know there are many great podcast shows, but they originate mainly from the States Mm -hmm. or from English-speaking countries like Australia or the UK. But a part of me also feels that, you know what, there's so many experts out there, so many people with lots of knowledge and experience in Asia, but we don't hear from them. Mm. And I thought, why not be one of the first few to share my thoughts on what I am passionate about and to interview other people within the region mm. of what they are passionate about and to show that, you know what, you have a voice, you have an experience. I'm showing an example that you also can do it.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's great that you are doing it. Mm-hmm. Now that you are doing it, Yeah, how are you finding people react to and contact you? Because mm-hmm. you're you're blazing a trail, right? I hope so. And you're right. I mean, you, you mentioned there's a lot of podcasts and I, I'm interested to learn about what kind of podcasts you listen to as well mm-hmm. that originate in the States and the UK and Australia and so on Be- mm-hmm. because of all the reasons that we talked about, you know, that education makes it easier for people at least to stand up and talk. Mm-hmm. They like the sound of their voice, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's easier. And yet even here in Asia, if you look at the podcast that are going on there's a big bias towards people from outside like myself mm-hmm. who bring that to Asia yet for you to be local and to set up a podcast and start it you must become like a, a lightning rod for people who then think wow Ling Ling's doing it she's just like me how do I do that are you getting that now
0: yeah that's why the podcast educator has become a side because I do have people approaching me and ask you know how do I start a podcast how do you do it so thankfully, last year we got funding from LearnSG mm. and they gave us funding to run some workshop. Mm. So oh. we use that as an opportunity to create public awareness about what podcast is. Mm. And I believe podcasting has so much to grow and so much potential in Asia. And most of it is because people don't know what podcast is. So people won't listen to podcasts if they don't know what it is. Right. So I think the first step is to create an awareness of what is podcast. It's just as simple as that.
1: So when people come to your workshops, mm-hmm. what are they looking for? What, what are they hoping to get out of it?
0: Most, uh, all sorts of things. How mm. to start one on their own. What are the challenges? Um, what are the fantastic podcasts out there? Some of them are actually looking for local podcast shows as well. Because mm. it's not as easy to find if mm. you go online and search for Singapore podcast. It's not so easy to find. No,
1: there's not a lot. Mm-mm. No, there's a handful. Maybe yeah. we can name them. We probably know them all <laughs> as well. And w- what are the big challenges in that? Because you can show them, you know, microphones, kit, setup, technical stuff's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the sort of the mental challenges in getting people well, it's to start?
0: Confidence mostly. Yeah. Whether it's the right thing to do or not. Right. Whether people will judge them for speaking up. I believe speaking up is really powerful. Saying what you really. Think what your opinion is, is what your passion is, what your cause is, is really powerful. Mm. And to do that from a personal space, I think, requires courage. So not everyone is confident enough to speak up. Right. From my experience anyway.
1: It's easy for you because you're educated in Canada where you were taught to speak up. Yeah. How about me? And I'm a local here, for example. Mm-hmm. It's harder for me. What can I do? How Mm -hmm. can I speak up?
0: Little steps. Yeah. Little, little steps. You can do multiple recordings. You don't necessarily need to publish it. Just get used to it.
1: Mm. Little steps.
0: Little steps. Yeah. And the important thing is your message. It's not really about you. You are the vehicle of the message that you want to deliver.
1: What's your message?
0: My message? We all have an opportunity to learn and grow and become the best of who we are. Right. We can do it outside the classroom.
1: Yeah, good. What, what do you um, you, you mention podcasts as well from the outside and some local ones? What do you listen to? Because obviously you use podcasting yourself to convey your message, but also to learn from other people as well. What do you listen to? Is there any sort of notables?
0: Wide range, because I have uh, a lot of interest. I consider myself, a, what do they call it? Multi-talented, multi-passion kind of person.
1: Yeah, it's the only way to be. <laughs> you got to be these days, haven't you? Yeah, There's yeah. so much going on.
0: Yeah, otherwise, how do you link disparate things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I listen from Science Versus to Hidden Brain to The Guilty Feminist, Duolingo, mm. Mm. Um, Local Podcast, uh, do, do Not Dwell. That's mm. one of yes. them that's coming up. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, e- economical rice. Right. So listen to that.
1: Yeah. What would you like about all of those? I mean, they're all very different. Mm-hmm. What do you like about their styles?
0: I like that they are different styles. I don't like to listen to one style. Mm. I'm the kind of person who likes to try new things because I'm curious. Uh, so I like conversations in a group. I mm. also like well-researched stories. Mm. I like. I, I just like all of them, really. Mm. And and I choose them mostly because of the topic that I'm interested in. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So what did you? What's the one that you've listened to most recently?
0: Most recently, Duolingo because right. I'm trying to learn Spanish.
1: Uh-huh. so is that a a, a Spanish English podcast?
0: Yeah, a bilingual podcast. Right. So they have someone speaking in Spanish of a Latin American story, mm. and uh, they have someone to also narrate it in English as well.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. They they'll read you the Spanish and then you'll get the the English afterwards.
0: Yeah, so it's not direct translation word mm. for word, but the way they produce it is quite elegant in a mm. sense that you have a Spanish speaker telling the story in Spanish in its own natural way, and to accompany it is an English narrator as well.
1: Mm. Do you like having lots of different things on the go, like in terms of learning interests? Because you're learning Spanish. Mm-hmm and yeah
0: way too much I want to do too much in life
1: right (laughs) is that a challenge because you know some people um I I guess one of the reasons why they don't get round to listening to podcasts is they can't justify why they should do it it's easier just to go onto YouTube and look at something or Mm -hmm. you know why don't just read it on a blog you know we Mm -hmm. get all that kind of I don't do podcasts because you know I don't have 20 minutes in a day Mm -hmm. in the same way people would say you know nobody would ever say for example you know I don't have uh, 10 minutes to drink a coffee, people will sit in Starbucks for like three or four hours, right? Yeah. So people do have time. They just have to kind of like rationalize it. For yourself, mm-hmm. all these different kind of like disparate interests and your passions for learning. Does that make sense? Or do, do you have to like... Some people say, I just want to learn about... I'm a, I'm a polyglot. I'm into languages. I just want to do that. And that's all I do. But you, you have different things on the go.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have different things. And I attribute it mostly to my upbringing because my parents were clever enough or I was fortunate enough to move from one place to another where I've Mm. been exposed to different forms of education the Asian way of being educated and the Western way of being educated Um, and that in itself encouraged me to pursue things that I'm curious in Mm. which is why like I've got all these you know disparate interests I tap into a bit of Spanish I tap into a bit of podcast and I suppose that's why I'm in the career I'm in as a corporate trainer
1: There's something about that, isn't there, that Mm -hmm. to be able to communicate to people, you need to be able to see lots of different ways of the world. You've lived in Canada, you've lived in Malaysia, you've lived in Singapore. I've I've also
0: lived in the UK for a while. I did my master's. Oh, you
1: did your master's? Where did you do your master's?
0: Uh, In the north of London in a place called Haftesha. Right, I know.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you know there? Yeah, Yeah. I've never lived there, but I know of it, roughly.
0: Yeah, because I was there four years before moving to Singapore. Okay. And uh, before going into primary, I had the opportunity to live in Australia as well for a couple of years. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I I see it a lot here in Singapore, like people who've lived in many different Mm. places and people who've grown up in different places. Even I think about my son He's lived in Japan, he's lived in Spain, he's lived in England. And now he lives in Singapore, Singapore, right? Yeah. And I think in terms of how that prepares as an education in itself for the future, so like we're going to need more people like that, like yourself, who in a way are generalists. Yeah. You know, there's a specialist who just knows everything about mm-hmm. this one subject, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas a generalist has this ability to join the dots mm-hmm. in the Steve Jobs style, joining the dots, right? <laughs> but there's a real value because I think there's less and less of that, right? You know, that people can see whether it's like connecting AI with education, with you know, whatever it may be, the Asian century, all these mm-hmm. big meta themes. Mm-hmm. Yet we have a lot of people just focused on like data science or very specific educational areas. So you've got this sort of general view of the world, which is great because then you, you know, for example, this is how they do it over here, mm-hmm. this education system. This is not just the way it should be done here, right? Yeah. And they can bring in new ideas. Definitely. So, you know, as an outsider, mm-hmm. in a way, I think there's a real benefit to yeah. communicate with people you can see how things work in different, different
0: perspectives places. yeah i i disagree though that how to say there are less of a generalist out there i think there are plenty of generalists like me if, if that's what you want to call me it's just that society is built around specialists Mm. We prize the specialists, we celebrate the specialists because it's easier to associate a person with one speciality rather than multiple specialities or multiple interests. And I think in a way it is because it's efficient to do that when it it comes to uh, business growth or productivity to specialize in something. Mm. But if given the opportunity, I think there are plenty of people who love multiple things Mm. if given the opportunity
1: well let's put that in the context of learning yeah so leaders of learning Mm -hmm. what are some of the themes you've talked about in the podcast i mean you've got it everywhere from like blockchain like recently like learning on blockchain and so on so you've gotten like really into the the weeds of technology as well (laughs) yeah what do you enjoy talking about on that podcast
0: so with blockchain actually for the leaders of learning i try to make the topic as varied as possible which is quite suited to my character. So it's a mix of technologies, a mix of soft skills. It's a mix of training or facilitation methodology. Blockchain is one of them. How to become an entrepreneur is another. Mm. The most uh, listened to episode of mine is is titled Finding Balance, which I interviewed a um, psychologist or a sex therapist. And he talks about the disconnect between who you are as a person on the inside and what society expects of you and how do you reconcile that. Mm. Uh, I believe that particular episode is most downloaded because that hits a sore spot with a lot of people that reside in Asia, mm. whereby we're educated to be a certain way or expected to be a certain way, but in inside we want to do other things. Uh, we have other interests to pursue.
1: Does it resonate with you?
0: To a certain degree. Yes, but I'm mm. glad I've grown up. Right. And I found a way to reconcile.
1: Right. Do we ever finish growing up?
0: No, we don't actually.
1: Isn't that what learning is, right? Yeah. So tell tell us a little bit about that particular episode, Finding Balance, because Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on the surface, that's not educational learning, right? But Mm -hmm. it is, I guess. You're going to tell me.
0: It is related in a sense that my listeners, who I target, are mostly people that are based in Asia, and I hope. Mm. uh, And it's getting them to think that what is it that you're learning now? Does it resonate with who you want to be and if it doesn't how can you reconcile that Hmm. because we can't say i'm going to give up learning this because we have family members and friends and even you know colleagues or bosses who expects us to learn or shape ourselves in a particular way and yet if we continue on that path it will create a sense of emotional or psychological dissonance within ourselves Hmm. so how do we deal with that? Mm. You know, do we continue on the path, or do we scope it out, or shape it so that it resonates more closely to, or align more closely to who we actually are, or do we justify within ourselves that okay, this is the path I'm just going to follow it? Mm. it seems it's a getting particularly people to think
1: Asian thing as well, isn't it? Like it's a it's a strong Asian theme. Hmm. We all know about Asian families and the the, the emphasis on education, especially mm-hmm. Chinese Asian families, right? Yeah. And in, I suppose, if you can say the West, if I'm allowed to say that, is that people now are more open to kids experimenting with learning and careers mm-hmm. and going off and, you know, finding happiness or finding a career which you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas here we're still, there's a lot of vested interests, especially you mentioned the family, for example, like you yeah. know make sure that their their first born, get a really good education as mm-hmm. a professional. And so if they then start talking about fulfillment, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, there's a lot of alarm bells going off. now, right. (laughs) That's the family tradition. That's the family honor now at stake. Right. So, uh, you know, maybe for those people who don't get that Mm. outside of that, who haven't experienced that is to your audience. Do they feel that pressure? Is that real for them? Like, I mean, for me growing up, it's like, just do what you want. (laughs) fine you know if you want to be an AI scientist go and do that right Mm -hmm. they didn't care as long as happy
0: yeah oh how do I explain this well because I've experienced it myself growing up and I believe it's a learning journey for both the generation who has has to go through that pressure from their family to be in a certain way or to follow a certain career but it's also a learning journey for the generation who wish well for their kids because in their mindset it's probably generational and cultural if we talk about it. So my parents' generation and a generation older, they came out from World War II. Mm. So their biggest struggle is poverty, is trying to build a more stable life. And because they've gone through that experience, they want their children to continue with that same sense of stability. So in that mindset, they believe professions such as engineering, accounting, whatever it may be, can provide financial stability for their kids. Uh, So my generation and younger, we have not gone through world war. We've not gone through poverty. So we don't understand why there's so much need for security based on particular careers. So therein lies the the disconnect between what the parents want for the kids and what the kids want for themselves. So it's a learning journey for both the generations Mm. to figure out that, you know what, financial security is one of it. But there's also happiness and fulfillment and living up to whatever you're passionate and interested in.
1: So when, when your audience listen to these messages,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you must have people reach out to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. What that, sort
1: of, I mean, podcasting aside, mm-hmm. about the whole career fulfillment, mm-hmm. that area, education, family expectations. Yeah. What kind of messages do you get?
0: That it's spot on, mostly. Yeah, yeah that really spoke to them.
1: And what sort, of, what sort of terms do they express that to you?
0: exactly is what i said yeah. yeah that's that's spot on it really spoke to me mm. it resonated with me it really explained how my life is right yeah so
1: that's a lot deeper right when they say it explains how my life is right it's not just a podcast is it
0: no no yeah But i'm glad that particular episode made an impact because i hope that it gets people to start thinking and thinking about their life and how they want to mm. lead it we only have one life
1: mm. so they say yeah. So with, with that in mind, when you look for guests mm-hmm. for your podcast, what do you look for now? Knowing what really works and what your audience wants.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm still experimenting with a wide range of topics. So I believe the, one that, the ones that get most listens are soft skills related or things mm. that are relevant to my audience's life. Um, and that's also part of my goal anyway learning doesn't have to be in the classroom it could be just a daily experience and you can learn from Mm. that too so i i still have a mix between technology related topics learn tech as well as you know soft skill related topics how do you build a community that's a topic that's coming up how do you build um how do you build your own self confidence that's also a learning journey for some people how do you build your self-confidence Uh, And I've got uh, another topic coming up is how do you learn to speak up? You know, if Mm. you feel strongly about something, you know, how do you gain that confidence to speak about the things that matter to you? And these are the topics I believe society in in general in in Asia is is important Mm. to talk about. If I don't talk about it, no one else will do it. You know, we'll we'll be sitting and waiting for someone else to talk about it.
1: Absolutely. There's a space, there's a hole, isn't there, that Mm. won't be filled by you not being there. Yeah. So when you, um, you know, when you start of creating future podcasts, how do you go about it? You, you know, the kind of themes that you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Do I, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of podcast hosts and there's there's a whole range of different ways of approaching this. One is oh, I just want to talk about that. So therefore, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then all the way over to someone like Bernard Leong, who does Analyze Asia, mm-hmm. who would say, I know if I do a China podcast because he'll do a wide range of themes. I get a 20% uplift in my audience. You know, there's no right or wrong way about it. I'm just curious, people have different ways of doing it. How do you do it in terms of picking out your themes?
0: Well, the way I run Leaders of Learning is I determine one season. So now my season is 10 episodes Mm. and that fits in with my other work, my main job as a corporate trainer. Uh, I always try to make sure that within 10 episodes, I have uh, gender equality, so, five women, five men. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it are recommended through my own network, some of my guests. Um, some topics, because I also want to make it sort of equal between technology, train, methods of facilitation and training, as well as soft skills. So, I try to balance out. So, a lot of it is a jigsaw puzzle, trying to fit things together based on recommendations from network, a bit of Google search on my end and reaching out Mm -hmm. a few degrees of people within the network and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's a mix of everything. But I want to make sure that my podcast show demonstrates diversity. And that's, yeah, demonstrates diversity.
1: Why do you want to do that?
0: I believe diversity is really important. Someone Mm. must show that we don't only listen to American podcasts. Mm. They're not the pedestal we can create our own pedestal Mm -hmm. by showing that we have experts who are asian who are indian who are um, young and who are old who Mm -hmm. are broad range of people Mm -hmm. and if we don't get them out people would always think that the experts come from the states or the uk or australia Mm -hmm. when in asia itself we have a lot of brilliant people here
1: absolutely yeah good and let's sort of get to one of the core questions that people often ask, and I'm sure you get this as well, hmm. when people ask about podcasting, money. <laughs> so, um, you know, I've heard all the different business models. We have different business models here at Asia Tech Podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Making money out of podcasts. When people ask you that, what's your answer?
0: Do you make money out of Asia Tech? Yes. You do? Yeah. Mind if you share?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. We, um, we get people to pay. Mm-hmm. come on the show, we have a show where people pay uh-huh. um, we get sponsorship mm-hmm. um, and we do recruitment events we do um, we have a production agency Wow um, and people can hire the studio Wow yet mm-hmm. to be honest, we're probably quite rare. I would say of the seventeen hosts that I've just done that series mm-hmm. um I would say most don't make money out the podcast. They do the Mm -hmm. podcast to make money out of the upsell, which is, for example, like Radu Palomario, who does a um, logistics podcast. Mm -hmm. He's a recruiter. Mm -hmm. So he uses that to meet people and to talk about logistics. Mm -hmm. And then people know, oh, he's the logistics guy. Therefore, if I need recruitment, I'll go to him. Um, Tim Romero, sorry, Tim Romero is um who does the Disrupt Japan podcast. He'll he actually had sponsorship on it. Mm. Um, Sarah Ran Yong, um, from ASB, um, in Malaysia, she won't make money out of it, but she'll use it as her C V.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right. So once she's completed her course, she can go out and speak to different companies and look what i've done and look who i've spoken to so yeah we make money out of it um well we have to pay people around here right and run this place (laughs) but i think that it seems that most in in my conversations most people make money out of something else and use the podcast to get attention and trust with people and to build relationships Mm. so
0: that's very fortunate of you, to be able to earn money from your podcast.
1: Right, it's our business, yeah. so <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're a podcast business. We're a business that has podcasts, right?
0: Excellent. But I
1: think most people don't. Don't? Make money out of it.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Yeah. No. We're, 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 do people ask you that question about making money out of it? Or? Yeah,
0: quite, well, quite well, how often. how do you answer it? I, I just say I don't make money yeah. because my goal is not really to make money from the podcast. Although if there is money in it, I would be gladly i'll gladly have another source of income hmm. when i started my podcast show is mostly to reach out to experts in my industry which i didn't have access to and use it as as a form of a informal press pass hmm. if i could say it hmm. that way uh, and since well it gained popularity uh, to my surprise i was able to access people i haven't had access to and that's the purpose of me having my podcast show absolutely i think that's yeah. a great
1: reason you get to speak to people you yeah. normally wouldn't, right? That's right? I mean, I'm speaking to you now, so <laughs> as an example, right? Yeah. So I think it's a great tool to build your network, to get to meet people, learn stories as well. Yeah, it's uh,
0: a learning journey for myself because when I get access to certain people, I get to ask questions that mm. I normally wouldn't get to ask unless I search Google or something. But once you have the person in front of you, I I learned so much from them. Mm. And also, you know, when you maintain contact with them, then you have access to their network Mm. too, and all the other fantastic people that they know.
1: Absolutely. When somebody comes on your podcast, they're going to share that, tell their network.
0: Mm That's how it
1: works, isn't it? Yeah. You've created something together as well, which is important, isn't it? I mean, if you have a cup of coffee with somebody, you know, you you have hundreds, right? Mm -hmm. But if you do a podcast, they'll always remember you, right? Yeah. They'll be there forever. Yeah. Do you, when you sit and have conversations with people, do you ask questions normally you wouldn't ask without microphones? Does it give you superpowers?
0: Does it give me superpowers? Or yeah, it? yeah, it does. It does give me superpowers. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Can you go into areas you normally wouldn't? Because the areas you talk about are quite sensitive here in Asia, right? Mm-hmm. Are you able to ask questions that people wouldn't normally talk about over a coffee?
0: It's mostly around their expertise and not so much in their personal life, because mm. the theme of my podcast is really to help my listeners to understand that topic better and at least get the first few steps into whatever that they're trying to learn or build for themselves. So it'll be top it'll be questions around how did you their motivations, why did they do what they do? That's mm. probably the most personal one. Mm. And the rest of it is mostly around if someone wants to become more confident. Or if someone wants to, for example, find balance in their life, what are the steps that they need to take? Mm. And then hopefully they'll share some of their personal stories. If not, I'll probe them. Oh, how did you come about that? So it's really simple questions, I think. Mm. But somehow I believe I built the rapport and relationship with them so that they're open enough to share all the personal stories that they have Mm. in the podcast.
1: You built the rapport before the podcast? Yes. So they trust you? Mm. I
0: reach out to them first to gain permission and see if they're okay Mm. to. So these people you don't know? No, I don't know.
1: Right. But you build a rapport with them before the podcast. How would you do that?
0: Sometimes I reach out to them by uh, email and Mm. we'd have a Zoom call if they're not Mm -hmm. in Singapore. If they're in Singapore, I'd have a coffee with them, I'll come up with a concept of the episode with them to make sure that they're comfortable and I'll probe and ask, is there some stories you can share here and there? Right. Um, and when they say, okay, I'll ask that on the podcast show. Right. So it's a little bit more effort than, you know, just interviewing them and, and things like that.
1: So does that mean that you can't do as many as, you know, I guess you're doing more quality rather than quantity if you're going to have a quite a personal approach yeah. to that and actually sit with your guests and, you know, go through the plan. Mm-hmm. How many podcasts are you doing on average in a year?
0: On in a year. I've only done it for a year. So it's right. my How first year in Yeah, year well done. Congratulations. Okay. I think uh we've already done it's twenty something episodes. Twenty something. So yeah. about
1: every every two tw- or three weeks. Yeah, t- every two weeks. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you able to maintain the consistency?
0: I do it seasonal. So no. what I do is uh I release one season on a consistent bi-weekly basis. Mm. Then I'll take a couple of months break to do some production before I release it again. Right. So you're I doing do. everything yourself? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm doing everything myself, which is a lot of work. It is, yeah. As a, as a side hustle. Well, yeah. I don't earn money from it, but yeah. I Are enjoy enjoying it, it? Yeah. like doing
1: all the editing and stuff like that? I yeah. do, I do, yeah. It's cool. Especially at that sort of volume, it's doable, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, yeah. you're, not, you're dealing with a big inbox of work. You yeah. can kind of work through it at your pace. Plus, you've, you've done these conversations, so it's good to listen back to them as well. Yeah. And where does it go from here? Where would you like to see Leaders of Learning go as mm-hmm. a podcast? Does it continue what you're doing? Would you like to take it in new directions? Would you like to experiment with new things? What mm-hmm. else would you like to learn yourself about mm-hmm. podcasting?
0: In terms of podcasting, I would experiment with more topics, so different topics, Maybe a different format in the episode, because currently my format is like a teaser at the beginning, a bit of a narration to give Mm. some context of the topic, and then it goes straight into the interview. So I'd be interested to experiment with different forms of structure Mm. for the episode, uh, different types of topics to see which, you know, it sits with my audience and listeners. What else? Yeah, that's kind of it.
1: Yeah, just optimizing it rather than doing anything radically different.
0: No, nothing radically different at the top of my head at the moment. Yeah.
1: Good. Well, I I wish you all the best. Success. Going forward into year two.
0: Yeah, year two. Yay!
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you made it through the hump. I think there's a hump about six podcasts, six to ten.
0: Why six to ten?
1: I think people go into podcasting with a lot of, you know, excitement. Mm -hmm. And then they realize actually it's hard work.
0: It is What they don't
1: see is all the editing and the hustling that goes behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Everything from, you know, editing the audacity file or whatever it might be to hosting it, Mm -hmm. getting it out there and then getting new guests as well. And then onboarding guests. Yeah. All that sort of, you know, the back office of the podcast is unseen, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So when somebody goes into a podcast, they can through motivation and excitement alone, they can get through six and then i see them drop off so between oh. six and ten they start to sort of uh i was doing it every week and now it's every two weeks and every three weeks and then it grinds to a halt. Mm. so if you can do 20 something that's fantastic
0: yeah thank you
1: good and we want to see more we want to see a good second year so yeah. all the best with that
0: thank you very um, much let's
1: give a shout out before you go to leaders of learning where do people find it
0: well, people find it on my website. Mm. The Leaders of Learning is on my website, www.culturespark.co slash podcasts.
1: Culturespark.co?
0: Yep. slash podcast. That's uh, the name of my company.
1: Excellent. Lingling. it's great having you in. And uh, thank you for sharing your journey with us. And Thank your... you for having me, Graeme. it's yeah, good. And, you know, I'm um, pleased to see finally that we have some local voices speaking yeah. up. Exactly. And I'm hoping as well that um, anybody listening or watching this podcast and inspired by Ling Ling's story to reach out to you, mm-hmm. what would be the easiest way? I know you've got the – would it be through the website or if you have preferred way that You can, can email me. Okay.
0: Yeah, my email is ling, L-I-N-G, at culturespark.co.
1: Excellent. Say that you've listened to this and you feel motivated to do your own thing and speak up, right? What are the exactly. first – the baby steps, the easy steps that they can take to get to get going on this journey, right? Hmm. Because they look at you and think, oh, well, it's easy because you're up here and you've done 20-odd, but you start somewhere, don't
0: you? So. Yeah, you have to start somewhere. Everyone has their own way of starting. So Excellent. You have to find your way.
1: Good. Well, mm-hmm. thank you, Ling Ling, for coming in today. That's Ling Ling, Tai, everybody, the host of the Leaders of Learning podcast. We'll put all the details in the show notes. All the best for year two.
0: You too. Thank you.
1: You've been listening
0: to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.